1: Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello there, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, technical editor here at Bike Radar, and joining me in the studio today is Alex Evans, another one of our technical editors at Bike Radar. How are you getting on, Alex?
0: Yeah, good. Technical editors pound a dozen.
1: Oh, there's, We're dripping in tech heads <laughs> in the pod studio this morning. With two of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you getting on? What what are you uh, what are you cracking on with at the moment, now
0: Yeah, I'm I'm good, getting on good. Um currently our inaugural electric mountain bike
1: of the year, oh. e bike of the
0: year bike test. So I've joined forces with Tom and Rob, who are the stalwarts of bike of the year testing and have made a, a nice hole for myself to sit in. Uh um, well then. Yep. so basically we're yeah um testing 80 bikes at the moment from a whole host of different manufacturers mm-hmm. which is actually quite a fitting topic for today. It is. Um but before that what are you up to Tom?
1: Well as as you alluded to uh, I'm doing our trail bike of the year test. Um and I've got eight trail bikes um which kind of range in from almost like well down country bikes basically so uh Trek Top Fuel all the way up to bikes that uh you could race an Enduro one. I think, although you might suffer with only 130, 140 mil at the back end, but 120 to 140 mil uh, bikes. So it's the everyday man's bike? It's the bike you probably should buy unless you're actually racing enduro or racing cross-country, I reckon, maybe. A bike bike? It's a mountain bike. Bike. It's yeah. a bike for biking. I'm doing a mountain bike test. Yeah, there we well go. Uh And obviously Rob is doing enduro bike test. Um He's got eight. It's, it's worked out very well this year. I mean, we, we start off the process in... September, October, sort of thinking, you know, planning big things, you know, how, what we're going to do. And obviously, um, you you have to have lived in a cave not to realise that getting hold of bikes is pretty difficult at the moment.
0: I'm sure um, if you lived in a cave, getting hold of a bike might be quite tricky. As it well. might be
1: very tricky, yes. Yeah, uh, one, the cave, uh, cave road. <laughs> Probably uh, things you need to worry about more than. Uh, uh, whether you can get hold of a bike if you're living yeah. in a cave, but yeah, it could be really nice. I, I, there was a really good grand designs. That, could be a nice um, cave. I, I Yeah, actually, be, I did one in a cave. Yeah. Like that, yeah. There's one in the Y Valley, and this guy spent ages digging it out, and he made this incredible house. Um, a bit damp, I think, mm. and a little bit chilly, but it did look pretty cool. That um, was like six years ago on Grand Designs. We, we've digressed already. Oh, already. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, back in the day when what mountain bike used to do. Uh, uh, back of the year, you used to have 20 trail bikes um, in one test. Poor old guy Kesteven. But yeah, no, it's worked out quite nicely this year because we've each got eight, uh, which is a nice figure. Um, it is. It's two less than last year, which yeah. makes life a little bit easier. Um, not for want of trying, but there we go.
0: Yep. Eight, eight is a lovely number.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Two, two circles on top of each other, round in every sense of the word, wow. an even number. Wow. Um, it's like. It's like we, we designed it to happen. I, I don't know. Poetic. Yeah, it is.
1: Um, how is the testing? You're, you're testing up in the uh, Tweed Valley.
0: Yes, I am. Yeah, testing is going really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, only three punctures, I think.
1: Okay, which, which is a daily target for you most days. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and unsurprisingly, the punctures uh, have been on the bikes with the thinnest casing tyres. Yeah. Shock horror. Yeah. Um, but it's okay because i've got a a stock of well used uh part ones mm-hmm. uh, downhill casing tires to put on to replace them um but yeah i mean testing's actually fairly conclusive um I'm already at the point where i'm like it's between these two bikes nice so that's quite exciting really yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. okay i'm i'm i think i've got um the way i usually do a trail bike of the year is because there is such sort of differences between bikes I'd say like the top fuel is very very different to like a nuke proof reactor I try and have my top three if they're legit good bikes but representative of the of the spread I guess so I I try and have well not try but you know like it, it works out often that like you know there's a bike in there that's pretty good for those who want to ride all day want a lightweight bike you know a bit more nippy a bit more I don't know, agile, some might say in a horribly cliched way. Uh, And there's often like a bike that's a bit of a slugger. But, you know, if you are just interested in going downhill as fast as possible on really rough stuff. um, And again, this year, it's kind of working out that way a bit. Um, there's There's some really good bikes in there. Uh, and not many not very good bikes, because there's not many bikes anyway. So it'd be difficult to have many not very good bikes. But um, yeah, it's been a, a good haul.
0: Yeah, sounds interesting. Sounds like maybe, I mean, it's kind of similar for me. There's go- I think it feels like there's going to be best four categories mm-hmm. within each mm. of the cat you know, within the within the category. Yeah. So best for, you know, your average trail rider, best for descending.
1: Yeah. Which makes it easier to write in some ways as well, I think, because, um, yeah, it makes it easy to, you know, I, I always like to sort of try and find like the good things about the bikes. You know, like... Every bike is good for someone, I sort of generally feel. There's, you know, very few bikes that just aren't very good for anyone. And I quite like being able to sort of pick out, you know, like, if you're going to be doing this, this is the bike for you. If you're going to be doing that, that's the bike for you. It's like you're offering genuine buying advice
0: for listeners, viewers, consumers. Um, Isn't that what our job
1: is? It's in the job description. Have you completed your job? Mate, nailing it. Well done. Um, so yeah, so that's my next. Uh, well, our next. Uh, well, the the deadline for copy is the thirtieth of March. So we have a month, and I am in advance of that. I've got some shoes testing at the moment. Um. So yeah, that's what I'm actually spending most of my time doing.
0: Any different between one shoe and another?
1: It's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. There are there are some differences. There must be like a really good one and a really bad one. And then in the middle, they're all kind of like their shoes. Yeah, there's a lot of good shoes. There's a couple of very good shoes, I guess. And there's a few shoes that I wouldn't recommend for if you're relatively advanced trail riding, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's tricky. Mm. And it feels like you end up writing very similar things about a lot of shoes. Yeah. Because they are, you know, like I think we've had like... They go on your feet. we've had centuries of making i mean millennia of yeah. shoe constructions. people know how to make a shoe these days like generally speaking, you've got a sole generally yeah, then there's an upper which is secured with laces, velcro or boa dials or a top yeah. dials.
0: had the Romans had uh, boas
1: yeah <laughs> yeah they loved love <laughs> millennia the <Boa>.
0: of development
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but no, there is there is stuff to say about each of them um i i, I i'm I'm blathering. I wrote a shoe review um, the other day, which I think I have sent through to you to have a little nose. It's, it's a new shoe that's been launched. Uh, we we're recording on Monday the 28th of February, a week in advance. Um, the shoes, the the shoes shoe, are coming out tomorrow, so we can talk about them. Tomorrow. Oh, we my God, to, that's exciting. Oh, my God, yeah, the new Endura shoes. Yeah. Endura um, MT500 burner. And I've got the clipless, you've got the flats. Yeah. Um, we've had some interesting discussions about them. Um, and as interesting
0: as they can be about shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: very true um you can see some of our reviews on bike road at the about those two shoes but the thing which i which i surprised me was that despite being someone who's not a big fan of writing really long reviews i wrote what felt like a really long review about oh, yeah. a pair of shoes i was like oh my god kill me now knock it out of the park um i have another dozen shoes to write reviews of in the next week uh and they shan't be as long as that one.
0: Oh, the listeners are all very disappointed. Um,
1: I bet they're gutted they can't read a 1700 word shoot <laughs> review. Who wouldn't want to read a 1700 word <laughs> Me. review? Me. Oh. Uh. <laughs> anyway. Right. Um, on so, topic. <laughs> on topic. What are we talking about today, Al? What are we talking about? Well,
0: um, let's have a little hypothesize and a little think here. Can electronic gizmos, mm. whether they're attached to your bike, your phone, your body, whatever actually improve your riding Mm. now the electronic gizmo domain realm whatever you want to call it it's quite broad isn't it really broad yeah you know i mean you could you could almost classify your modern day smartphone Mm. with strava as a gizmo that's you know that helps your riding all the way through to something that's actually attached to your bike like a power meter or a gps or something else entirely yeah um so it's quite a broad you know it's a broad church um, do they help? And you know, are the analog purists turning in their Though well, I guess they're not dead. Maybe no, some of them. We, some of them aren't dead. Oh God. Um, I hope most of them aren't. No, m- most of them aren't. Um, although, although may- maybe some people will be. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm sure the inventor of the penny penny farthing, is is probably dead. He's crotched it. So would would that person be? You know, ridiculing this uh, sorcery, electronic sorcery. Yeah. Or, or, or would they be like, actually, hang on a sec, a Tubalito, um NFC pressure gauge in my inner tube would
1: I, vastly improve my life? I would like to think that someone who is as forward-thinking and um, inspired and technically able to develop something such as the penny farthing or a safety bicycle or any of those things would be really excited about the fact that we have so much electronic um tech that can be used for the bike for the benefit of the rider i I think anyone who i I think there's a lot of people who don't care about electronics and and all this sort of tech and think it's it's rubbish but i think if you're the kind of person who has gone out of their way to design a new thing if if electronics weren't around at that time but i bet if the electronics had been around when mate boy was making his penny farthing for the first time he would have stuck a power meter on it (laughs) imagine that and a rolling resistance calculator to work out why you know you know all these things. I reckon I reckon they'd have been into it. And the
0: original mallet as well. although we were digress. They were the original mallet. Yeah, yeah, wrong way around. But
1: yeah, they um, got it wrong. Oh, no, 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 they got it right. What am I about? Totally, totally, totally got right.
0: right. Flipping egg. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give up my uh, technical editor credentials <laughs> right
1: now. Um, so I think what we're what we're going to try and do. Um, this this is one of those podcasts that has been incredibly well planned. Um, as is are. our style. Um, but I think we're going to look at. A few different areas, and we're not going to talk about necessarily individual products, although obviously some of them will get name dropped for context. But I think we're going to talk about them. What are they there for? What do they do? And then we'll give our little take on them. Is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the first one that we should start with before you go on any ride, uh, let's very quickly talk about pre-ride mapping um, tech because there is there's a few sort of big players out there. Komoot, obviously, is one that's growing in popularity in the UK. Strava has route planning. Um, we will disregard a paper map because it's not electronic, yes. um, but there are, obviously, a range of um, mapping softwares and devices out there. Now, do you use them very much at all?
0: It depends.
1: Okay. I think if you're going for a road
0: ride yeah. or a gravel ride, absolutely. I think if you're going mountain biking... Uh, kind of like a trail-focused mountain bike ride where, you know, you'd, you'd spend as much climbing as you would descending and you're targeting specific tracks, less so. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're going for a massive adventure, like a bike packing ride or a point-to-point, then yes. Mm-hmm. Um So there's very, like, quite specific circumstances, in, yeah. in my opinion at least, where you would and wouldn't use these certain things. Yeah, Um And I think in the scenarios where you would use them, and let's just take road riding because it's probably the easiest – If you don't have an internal map and don't know the area, internal map being in in your mind's eye, and if you don't have a good memory, then having a device that shows you where to go, whether that's Mm -hmm. mounted to the bike, your phone, whatever, Mm -hmm. that's brilliant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we can all agree that, by all, I mean you and I, (laughs) the the two of us, (laughs) uh, agree that, you know, actually, that's brilliant.
1: I mean, I I never used to use them at all, Um, and... Um, I'm just going to interject here. If you can hear some weird drilling, it appears that our big office block is having some um, work done to it.
0: Yeah, I, I am hungry as well, so give <laughs> me my stomach. Give
1: you to We'll we'll ignore that. So, apologies for the background noise. True professionals. <laughs> the I, I started using Komoot um, and latterly Strava's route planning. When my Komoot subscription ran out and it wouldn't let me do it anymore, um, in sort of lockdown. One, I hadn't really used many GPSs. Obviously, I was a bit more of a mountain biker, but um, mountain biking was pretty limited. And so I used to go on road rides. And I really enjoyed, like, I'd just head out on a road bike and I'd be like, right, I'm going to head towards Nailsworth or I'm going to head towards Bath and then into, you know, whether it's the Mendips or or the Cotswolds and just like just go for a ride. Um, and eventually I'll find my way home again and i really enjoyed doing that but I, to this I,
0: day tom still hasn't made still, it home. i'm
1: still lost somewhere in somewhere in deepest darkest somerset i'm still pedalling around um but i started and i was logging my rides with, with my garmin um, and I was sort of like, I'd look on the Garmin, and be like, oh, I want to go to there because I think there's probably going to be a, a, a cafe there. Um, and I'd try and like navigate my way around all these winding, beautiful little roads using the not very good touchscreen on my on my Garmin, and it used to frustrate me a lot. So in the end, I was like, why don't I just plan my rides? And I think what what stopped me from doing that was that. I don't like... I I didn't really fancy... I liked going out and not knowing where I was going to go and how long I was going to go for. Um, But pre-planning my rides then meant, right, today I am going to go and ride 105 kilometers. Or today I'm going to go and ride 60 kilometers and I'm going to go to that cafe. And and I, I... Sort of resented that lack of flexibility, but at the same time it meant that I spent a lot more time actually riding good stuff yeah. rather than just like wobbling along and ended up on like a you know, like a big heavy, you know, dual carriage or something terrible like that. Um
0: and also you spend less time looking at your yeah, totally, looking yeah. at your device as well, and more yeah. time taking in the countryside. Because that's one thing, isn't it? When you're using the device to navigate without a pre-planned route, mm. you do spend quite a bit of time oh, actually looking down, just yeah. stopping
1: at junctions. Yeah. Do I go
0: left or right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh god,
1: yeah. pain in the ass. So it did annoy me quite a lot. Um, oh, explicit warning. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what I did. I did. A, uh, what I did do okay, like my intermediate fa- stage from going from not planning routes and just riding. You drew it on your hand. I drew it on my hand. <laughs> what I would do is I would I would map out the start of the ride. So we're like right. Today, like, I did a few, like, there's a, there's a, I've got, it's still on my GPS and it's called the start of 200k because I decided I was going to go do a 200k a day. So I mapped out the first 70k basically straight out from Bristol and I knew that once I'd got to the end of that point then I would just meander my way back to Bristol basically following road signs for, like, Bristol. The M4. Yeah, the M4. <laughs> the <yeah>. motorway. <laughs> Dodged that one, thank God. Um, and that was quite a nice little word, did it? But I agree that... On the road, I think it's a bit easier to do that. On mountain biking, I, very, I would never plan a ride, really, unless I'm going for like a massive loop. Yeah. And on the gravel bike, I do now plan it. And I use, um, I combine Komoot and Strava. So I use Strava for creating the loop because I don't have a Komoot um, Cause premium thing because I haven't got around to renewing it and I really should do because it is quite a good tool. It's a very good tool, in fact. But I, I refer to Kamut because there's a lot of user um, suggestions and engagement, so you can see like a little like dot over a particular bit of track, and it'll it quite often it'll have a. In fact, our very own Catherine Moore is a, a, a very useful. Uh, she's she's put a lot of very useful suggestions on commute. Um God, I've blabbed on a bit there for basically saying yeah, I think it's good, and yeah, I think great. they really do help my ride. That yeah. pre-ride planning helps my ride. There you go.
0: Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Then? <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's a that's a one nil to uh, technology. One nil to tech. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, let's stick maybe a little bit kind of with. What like about a,
1: what about things oh, no, like? Sorry, no. That's what, not. We 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 both sort of said that when we mountain bike and we don't use them. But um, if I'm exploring like a new forest, like I ride up in you know whether I'm up in Aviemore or something like that, I do use Strava or TrailForks when I, I know that i'm not going to get lost because i'm just trying to like rattle around a, a forest but i do use them to sort of find the start of trails yeah when exactly. i'm out there um on 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 the phone
0: so i find that in in that kind of scenario um it would be more like a look at look at it prior to riding like like you say like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't necessarily take that device okay. with me i'd look and i'd see right well there's 10 tracks here right they will go off these three fire roads
1: uh, okay, those yeah, three yeah.
0: fire roads are really easy to find because you know, yeah, I do have a reasonable sense of direction. And for people that might not, then they might struggle and then they'd cake the device with, them, yeah, and yeah,
1: that's yeah. okay. So that's, that's why I, 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 yeah, it's like I've ridden like high burnside quite a lot now, and I still don't know where I am there. So I, I often have my phone with a little Strava heat map, yeah. um, and that is really useful when I'm out on that. But I, w- I don't plan a ride, like, I'm not like I'm gonna ride this and then I'm gonna ride that. I kind of yeah. just go for a ride. And even
0: at trail centers, it's even more obsolete because you have yeah. way marked. Uh, tracks, yeah. so you know you just follow the signpost and you yeah. can totally kick your brain out from between your ears and look at the beautiful countryside, yeah. or be petrified by the trail and be totally transfixed by the nearest yeah. rock, root,
1: tree, whatever, staring at the front wheel. Yeah, exactly. All the way along.
0: Yeah. Either way, beautiful. <laughs>
1: all right, let's move on to um, <clears throat> the next topic, which is Alex.
0: Uh, well, I, I was going to talk, kind of talk, like in a bit of extension of the pre ride, mm-hmm. the pre ride faff, and um, you know you, you've got quite a few things now that you can bolt to your bike or yeah. that are kind of come with your bike that enable you to get it set up better so you know shockwiz tirewiz um the tubelito nfc uh, uh inner tube mm-hmm. chip jobby mm-hmm. um uh, i i mean you could even go down the line of like pressure gauges shock gauges um you know whether they're digital electronic whatever you know i'm sure there are apps that you can connect them to mm-hmm. um It seems like, you know, these things, if you know what you're doing, can help you. If you don't know what you're doing, they're probably kind of irrelevant because, you know, it's just like having numbers. And if you don't know what the correct numbers are for your um, shock setup, for example, or your tire pressures, then what's the point? But then equally, they're not hindering it. You know, you've got them. You've still got the numbers and you can learn about it.
1: Have you used any of those um, systems? I've
0: used the Tubalito NFC inner tube. Um, and was it good? It seemed accurate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't use inner tubes full stop, so that was kind of a bit of a stumbling stumbling block there, but I tried it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can actually get tubeless valves that have the same technology in them.
1: From Tubalito?
0: No, I don't think it's, I don't know okay. if it's from Tubalito or not, but another brand. It seems to be ringing a, ringing a bell in my uh-huh. mind. Um, and then Shock and Tire Whiz, once again, is another thing. Um, I've ridden bikes with it on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know it helps. I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, and it can help you know what you're doing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Then I, why not? For for context, these the they basically well shock and tire was and tubaluto effectively, I guess they they measure the changes in in pressure as as you ride. So when your fork compresses, obviously the pressure inside the air spring changes because it gets compressed, um, and they can use the, that that. Uh, the changes in pressure to give you a real world data on how your suspension is working. You know, do you need? And it will give you suggestions. So with the ShockWiz, for example, do you need to put an extra volume spacer in? Yeah. Um, have you got too much pressure because you're not getting through all the travel on on a ride or all that sort of thing? I I tried ShockWiz when it first launched. I think it was about 2016, something around then, and. You know, I'm not like a suspension setup God, but I know how I like my suspension. And so I had my fork. Um, I think I whacked on a load of – it was a – it would have been a – was it a Grip 2? It was one of the ones with, like, all the high and the low speeds. And I just whacked on a load of one, like, five clicks or something like that. And it did – it got it right. Mm. Um, but I think since then I haven't used it. I've got a friend who um, – does use it when he's sort of you know he cycles through bikes and stuff and he has used it a fair bit Mm -hmm. and i've had chats to uh bike brands who uh offer it as like a higher thing when people purchase a new bike they can Mm -hmm. they can borrow the shock quiz for a a week or so to help get their new bike set up if it's been you know if it's a mail order bike sort of thing so certainly has benefit if you don't really know what you're doing yeah definitely personally i mean i I i had tire whiz There's SKS, they have one as well. And
0: that's basically just a flashing LED that you set the parameters of your tire pressure. Yeah. You tell it that you want your tire pressure to be 23 PSI. Yeah. The LED flashes green when it is, red when it's not.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's apps and things. Well, the SKCS has an app as well. And I think as will as well. And it'll tell you if you've got a puncture. But the, the brutal, I mean, honesty is, <laughs> brutal honesty is, is neither the match. Well, I, I, I couldn't get them to work with my phone very well. Okay. And I, I gave up. It was a Nokia thirty three ten. It was, yeah. I was
0: you were throwing it at the at the energy. Why is it not working? I mean, it's close to it. I'm chucking at it.
1: But they, um, that's
0: disingenuous. Tom's Tom's not that much of a lead. Oh, bike. and I
1: I am pretty very terrible with with my tech, and I I, I so I would say while I like a little pre planning, while I like things like you know commute Strava and all that sort of jazz, the setup systems to help you set your bike up for me don't really. Um, I'm not going out of my way to use them again um the one thing that we we neither of us have any uh, experience of but is worth dropping into sort of conversation um when it comes to setup is uh there are various bits of technology um I'm desperately searching my notes for the name of.
0: Uh, <laughs> St- the Stendek and the motion instruments. Technology. Well, let's talk
1: about that in a sec, but let's go let's let's talk about skinny skinny ties for a minute. But there's Notio um and there there are other sort of um systems out there which give you real-time um aerodynamic data. So how slippery are you? Uh, and they combine speed and power data. And various other little uh, bits of of information that are all logged via, you know, things like power meters, via GPSs, via speed meters. Um, In fact, uh, Noto say don't use a GPS speed meter; use um, a separate speedometer for various um, processing reasons.
0: Or Um, if you go through a tunnel,
1: what if you go through a tunnel? Well, well, yeah, Um, and they they give you uh, on the fly right there that minute, your CDA, so your coefficient of drag. Um, And this obviously is aimed really at time trialists uh, and road cyclists, where the aerodynamic drag of your bike is really important. So it gives you the opportunity as as a person to go out on real roads um, and find out how aerodynamic you actually are now i know this is something that you do while you're riding um, and we're talking about things that can help you set your bike up but obviously this has utility in, in terms of getting your position on your bike good and um, maybe gives you some chance to do some back-to-back testing if you've got a few pairs of wheels or different stack heights for your your aero extensions that sort of thing um it's very high tech um it's very cool. Whether it's as useful to the average person is questionable. Um, but obviously these are quite specialist bits of kit. Um uh, I'm I, just yeah, looking so at I, the
0: price for it. How much I wonder how much um, this is.
1: so got. the uh well, Notio, well, the aero optimization Consult- consultation um is $198. Um well starts at and it's $99 per hour. And they said two hours. So this is um if you've already got a Notio. Um, that their team A
0: Notio Aerometer they call <clears> it. A
1: Notio Aerometer, which is five hundred and ninety nine dollars. You you bolt that to the front of your bike, tie it all up with, you know, all the apps, all the gizmos that you've already got, and it and it gives you your C D A. And then if you actually really want to get a lot of use out of it, get your aero optimization consultation uh, for $99 an hour and, and their experts will talk you through. I think that's pretty cool. Like it's, it's cool. not something that it's, it's something that 0.001% of cyclists are going to be interested in. But in terms of tech, if you are that 0.001% of a cyclist, I think things like that, as long as you you know you accept that there are limitations with it, I think that's pretty good.
0: Yeah. I mean I'd agree it's it's cool. But is it worth it?
1: I mean, what, if you're this,
0: racing at a sharp end, yeah, yeah, definitely. It probably but is worth it. If you're just cycling to work or going for a Sunday uh, Sunday ride to a coffee shop, mm.
1: maybe,
0: maybe, maybe less. Maybe so. less.
1: Um, I mean, you can you can apply that to many things. Oh, can, yes, <laughs> yes. Many many things. So, do, would it make your riding better? Depends who you is. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably are, the case for basically everything in this list. But I, I, yeah. I feel very few people, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, do you want to talk about StendEck?
0: Yeah, well, let's. Let's. It's kind of a similar, a similar mm. thing, isn't it? In that it's on the bike. Uh, well, the StendEck and Motion Instruments two data logging, data acquisition tools um, that mountain bikers use predominantly downhillers at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to see it used more widely. Um, well, possibly in enduro. I doubt cross country because of the weight penalties of having this technology on Certainly your bike not during racing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So basically, it measures all sorts of different things. You can set the sensors up. And one of the primary focuses is suspension and vibrations. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can measure like handlebar stiffness, wheel stiffness, whether your forks are set up correctly or not. Um, And it's truly interesting. It's truly interesting to see the the data. Um, And if you're into it and you have someone that can analyze the data, Mm -hmm. you could extrapolate information from it. To say whether your your bike is optimally set up okay. for the particular conditions that you've just ridden, um so could that make your riding better well, yes, it could yeah it absolutely objectively could. It could yeah like there are measurable ways of making that better mm-hmm. um you know, your your suspension would be more efficient, it would be working harder so you'd have more grip so you'd be able to ride faster or you'd be able to ride at the same speed but it would be easier so it would be more fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think on mountain biking, fun is quite an important metric. Yeah. Um, And, you know, okay, it's it's not necessarily measurable in a numerical sense, but whether you're smiling at the bottom of a run or not is directly related to how badly or how well your bike is set up or Mm -hmm. how it feels. So um, I would go with a resounding yes, data logging can make your riding better, but But. you have to have the monetary investment to buy it in the first place and also the knowledge to interpret the data because data is useless without the correct people to analyze it and
1: tell you what it means. Okay. Um, do you know roughly how much these things cost? Are they available to the everyman?
0: Yeah, I think Motion Instruments is probably the most accessible and the easiest. Um, it's got an app. Uh, I know the app is like on a um, subscription. It's okay. like a subscription base. Yep. So you you know, you know, can download your bike onto the app. They, they'll mm-hmm. have your bike preloaded on there. You download it, you connect it all to the sensors um, and basically you pay, I don't know what it is, like 30 quid a month or mm-hmm. something. Um I think the actual um device which uh, I'm googling right now <laughs> instrument can't spell I think that's actually quite expensive to buy right um so presumably something one might rent you could rent it there are definitely people in the u k who who have it mm. um so a motion instruments setup the full system for a full suspension bike is one thousand two hundred and ninety nine a
1: sniff yeah, I know. A sniff at one thousand two hundred nine. So it actually
0: makes the um, the arrow, the arrow yeah, analysis, yeah. the Notio, an absolute bargain. Yeah. Basically, because you have to buy the kit and then you have to buy the app on top of that. Right. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, is is the worth? Um. Is the, is the the benefit that it's going to have on your riding worth the twelve hundred quid? I
1: suspect that you know if you. You know, if this is something that you really are interested in, and obviously, you know, these, these two devices, tend up Motion instruments, go a bit further than, than your shock quiz, for example. Yeah. Maybe if you are really interested in how well your bike is working, but you don't want to stretch to something like one of those systems, shock quiz might be a little halfway house. Um, but I would suggest that, you know, even an hour or two with a coach would get a lot of those benefits. You know, someone else looking at it objectively from the outside
0: yeah absolutely hundred percent agree
1: um so i I feel that if we're if we're if we're rating these things while it might be interesting and it might be very useful for a select few I think on the whole no I'm yeah, not gonna let yeah. it through it's not it's not it doesn't pass my my test
0: okay tom's threshold for yeah. making his riding better yeah
1: yeah yeah no okay but kind of cool nonetheless okay should we um should we talk components so i've I' As I said earlier on, we planned this very well. We're now halfway through uh, my little list of... So we've gone the pre-riding stuff. We've done the setup stuff to help you get your bike set up. The next thing on the list is electronic components. And there are quite a lot. So I don't think we want to talk about everything. No. But the key ones, I would say, are electronic group sets. So that's Shimano Di2, Campagnolo EPS, and SRAM Access. Um, And then... There are, like, your mapping things, so your you Garmin, so onboard analysis of what's happening right now that second, and obviously things like power meters. Mm. So let's talk electronic gears very quickly, because I think we I think we probably come from a very similar standpoint, that on the mountain bike side of things, Di2 was cool when it came out, but I don't think anyone really thought they got it quite right.
0: Oh, batteries, oh, wires mm-hmm. everywhere. Oh, a slightly no. funny
1: shifter, yeah. trying to emulate a mechanical group set with electronics they didn't really push the boat out no and then access came along obviously like the roadside things have had electronics before then from sram um but let's just talk about access because i can't, because it's on it's on everything now i think it's fair to say that access is brilliant yeah it's pretty good
0: yeah let, let's be honest um i mean it's still quite a large investment yeah but the reality is that the access derailleurs aren't as unreliable as no. you may think. No, they're expensive, but they're not particularly fragile.
1: No, 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 no. They're I actually ba- quite I bashed Mine yesterday. No bother with a hammer just in the garage. Yeah, just, hate, just hate hating it. on it, <laughs> just absolutely wailing on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think mean, that they are genuinely quite robust, um, which is you know actually quite surprising because yeah. um, you know oh my god the derailleur doomed, mm. doomed for failure as soon as it was designed. Mm. Um, and then smashed into the first rock but that's not true and the reliability of the gear changes once you get it set up correctly which yeah. isn't even that hard to get it set up no, really. no, no it's pretty damn easy um it's spot on and if you wash your bike you don't have to worry about your cable you don't have to worry about ever changing your cable yeah. you only have to charge your 25 gram battery yeah every so often yeah what's wrong with that absolutely nothing
1: yeah and it well I I think it's the consistency of shift for me then I'm not I don't think access is perfect no. I have one bit of beef with access okay. this, okay, isn't, the same uh, same this mine. isn't an access review but well you know while we're here yeah. so <clears throat> the on the mountain bike one there's like a little the paddle to change if you flick it up for me that makes it into a harder gear like there's like a little thumb flick and you flick it up and this is the OG style paddle shifter and it's it's changed a bit but I, I actually prefer the uh, the original one personally if you run it quite close to your grips, or if you've got grips with quite a thick lock-on collar, the upshift top of the paddle can hit the shifter some, uh, the grip sometimes, which is a bit annoying. Um, so sometimes you have to move things around to get it to not do that, which, you know, it's fine. The thing that really gets me with access is, it was, uh, you know, I presume it was designed somewhere warm, maybe California, somewhere like that, where you don't get numb fingers. Mm. I find that if I've got numb hands... The the downshift for me, I like the push forward. There's a click. There's a, like a haptic feedback through, that, like, it clicks. But the upshift is very light on that, and you don't feel it. Um, and I just want a bit more of a click. Wow, that, that is literally my my only real criticism of it.
0: That's, I mean, that's that's a resounding four and a half stars out of five, right? There. Honestly,
1: like I I hate to be, you know, like I don't want to be that guy, but if I, if you're gonna buy a mountain bike group set. I would just go and buy GX Access, full stop. And if you really don't want, if you really don't want electronics on your bike, then I'd get XTR. Yes, one hundred
0: percent. XTR is a, it's a hands down XTR. I think, yeah. um, in terms of well, money, no object. Uh, two technical editors here who haven't paid for a drivetrain component. <laughs> in, <laughs> In, in a in a while uh, yeah definitely buy XTR yeah that's what I'd do if no, that's it's good, not it's know. what you do
1: you buy Dior you? I mean you buy Dior and yeah. I buy an XT shifter yeah, and X- I, I yeah. think that's yeah. I think that probably is ubiquitous amongst anyone who works in the bike industry like if you're going to buy a mechanical group set buy Dior and get an XT yeah. shifter but anyway it's really bloody good yeah it is yeah um,
0: yeah access is access is impressive and when you've got a reverb access dropper yeah um, to accompany it yeah you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's just
1: incredible. The the like
0: that's how oh, that's good, good it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's let's move on from drivetrains. Let's talk about power meters because they're a massive thing in the road world, growing in gravel and small but, you know, pretty insignificant in mountain biking for the most part, but certainly on the road side of things. I have used power meters on the road bike. And I'm not a nerd, particularly, and I never really understood what was going on. So I, I never got a huge amount out of it, but I know a lot of people who do get a lot out of it. If, you, if you're structured in your training, and it feels like a lot of people who, rode, who ride on the road uh, and maybe on the gravel really are sort of like structured training systems to improve fitness. Um, it's a very sort of techie, performance-orientated sport for a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people it is. Um, and there's no doubt that I think power is bring a lot to the table um, when it comes to both analyzing and improving sort of fitness and strength it's a really efficient way to uh, get stronger on the bike and get faster
0: yeah absolutely 100% agree there and and if you're connecting them to a Garmin or whatever or you're getting you know you're using Strava the increased amount of data that they provide mm. is really helpful for mm-hmm. people that are interested in that yeah um even cross country mountain biking and gravel riding you know i'm sure you could extend that from from the road riding side of it into those two domains but as soon as you start adding in kind of descents um you know it sort of blurs the data a bit because your power is not necessarily equal to your heart rate because you're going downhill mm. so you're absolutely getting thrashed by the trail coming at you yeah um
1: i think from a general day-to-day riding certainly uh, yeah. the, the, the the bumpier it gets the less useful it maybe is yeah. um however you know if you, if i was going to go out and race if i knew my power figures and i was going to go and race whether even if it was enduro or especially xc and marathon then having that data there you know like Chris Froome is, you know, often sort of jokes that he just stares at his stem all the time. And that's because he's just looking at his power data and he knows how much power he can put out for how long and when he can put extra power out, when he can go over those sort of thresholds. Um, or
0: do you think he's not using commute to plan his ride, and he's just working out where the to <laughs> so is? Yeah, right. Looking on his going, oh, I've got the,
1: the, the touch screen's not good enough. I can't move the map fast. Oh, enough. My, gloves Why is so my gloves are so thick. My gloves are so thick. That's exactly what he's doing. Isn't it? I, I've done the I've done
0: the menu scroll down thing instead of uh, scroll the map. That always happens.
1: Uh, solved. He's not looking at his power at all. He's just lost. Yeah. <laughs> Um so yeah, I, I, I think power meters are a good thing. Um, they're coming down in price, they're getting increasing um in their reliability and their sort of accuracy. Um and Simon Bromley, Simon Von Bromley, is the man at Bike Radar who knows everything there is to know about power meters. So have a little look at bikeradar.com. There is some lots of very good information and reviews on there. Extensive,
0: power extensive power reviews. I yeah. think he's he's reviewed a significant number recently and also um compared them all as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's actually been able to establish whether they are providing reliable data.
1: My last little power meter anecdote, and then we'll move on. Uh, I use power meters a bit during, during lockdowns. Um, I was going through a fairly hefty dieting exercise, trying to lose a bit of timber. Um, and the power meters, obviously, you know, if you've got a heart rate strap and your GPS, it tells you how many calories you've burnt. Um, and I, I used to go off that, but my, my friend Nick, who is a power nerd, was like at you. it's just not yeah. accurate. It's just not accurate. So I I use power meters, and then I was really accurate with how many calories I burnt and thus how many calories I could eat. Well, I got how much home.
0: saucy sauce you could you <laughs> could add to the top
1: <laughs> yes. of your toast? Absolutely, exactly that. Yeah. Um, I yeah, it, it was really useful for um. I'd like to say it was really useful for weight loss. It was actually really useful for eating because uh, <laughs> I felt that's how I justified eating nice food. I mean, we all ride bikes to eat food. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Don't eat food to ride bikes. <laughs> <laughs> right then, what are we going on to next? So are there any more components that you want to sort of quickly talk about? I'll go through a list we've talked about. Well, I'll tell you what,
0: let's talk about Flight Attendant really ooh, quickly. Oh, yeah, okay,
1: yeah, go on. And, and this, is the big, this is the big, yeah.
0: But both of those. So Flight Attendant is a big launch from, from RockShox and SRAM where basically it's on-the-fly uh, compression adjustment of your forks and your shock, uh, currently only limited to a select number of models um, in the RockShox range. But what it does is it senses when there are no bumps and locks you out, senses when there are bumps and unlocks you. Mm-hmm. The default position is unlocked. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the opposite to live valve, where the default position is locked, and when it senses a bump, it will unlock. Yeah. So when flight attendant senses it's smooth, it locks. When live valve senses there's a bump, it unlocks. Yeah. Now, I recently reviewed a bike with flight attendant on it, and flight attendant does exactly what SRAM claims it should do. Okay. And for that reason, it's brilliant. It's absolutely marvellous. Right. The manufacturer's claims and how it performs in reality are intrinsically aligned with okay. each other. So, Brilliant. The particular bike that I was riding was a YT Capra, Mm -hmm. the newest one. Um, Did it improve the riding of that bike? Ostensibly, yes, it did. It meant that I could ride trail centre-style runs where the suspension would spend more time locked out than it would unlocked, and it would make me quicker on the climbs and quicker on the flat sections.
1: But. But.
0: But. There was always a but coming, wasn't
1: there? It was always going to happen.
0: Was it... Well, I was marginally quicker than my other bike, than my bike that doesn't have an automatic lockout. Uh-huh. Was it worth the money? Did it really, really, really help? I'm gonna go, no. I'm this, I'm really sorry, Sram.
1: This is my uh issue with a lot of things in mountain biking. And, and a lot of these things that we you know we've talked about here, like um your Notio Connect, you know, the the aero thing, or you know, Stendek. Or, you know, a lot of these developments that we get in mountain biking, and that's not just electronic ones. Um, A lot of these products are built for their pro athletes, right? Hmm. Flight attendant, if you're racing an EWS, might make you three seconds faster over that 60K, right? Which could be the difference. Which could be the difference between coming first and second, right? Which is great. Power meters, you know, if you're just bimbling to the cafe, Probably not going to make a huge difference or error stuff. If you're not racing, you know, like a national level time trial, you know, like do you need? No, Fox suspension. This is my current little project of of pain. Fox suspension is overdamped for ninety five, not even ninety five, more ninety nine point nine percent of riders. It's overdamped. Yes, but for that select few at the very top of the game, perfect. Right. Why companies make like I get companies need, need these products for these people, but they're not alienating, but they're making products that don't benefit the vast where the most of their money comes from, yeah. and I find it very frustrating that they all concentrate so much on. They will assume that maybe they don't, but maybe they don't really care. But or, I'm not saying that you know I'm, they I'm do. Sorry, everyone cares. Tom's very apologetic. <laughs> oh my god. What I mean is, you know, like so much effort is put into making products that are so aligned for the needs of the absolute top, you know, the best in the world that it feels like the, you know, your average rider is sort of left riding something slightly compromised. And I don't, I I feel that that's a bit, you know, like, you know, if you want to go and buy a, a, a Mercedes car, you're not buying a Mercedes F1 car. You're buying a car that's built for you, for for the average user.
0: And it actually is as well. Let's not forget that because car brands have that the right way around. They have yeah. their F1 cars, but they also have the bog standard A-class yeah. or whatever it is. Look,
1: a Ford Focus. Yeah. You're not buying a WRC spec Focus. Yeah. You're buying a car for driving to the shops yeah. or for, you know, like, yeah. And if you want something quite good, you buy a Ford RS, you know, a Focus RS, which is pretty punchy. But it's still not like an absolute race car, you know, like whoever, I don't know who races for WRC anymore, but like Marcus Gronholm isn't ride, driving a Focus RS, you know, he's, he's, he's driving like, you know, an actual World Rally spec car yeah, built different, by different Yeah,
0: Yeah,
1: you know, so why, why do I have to ride a, a Fox Factory with a, with a grip too that makes my hands hurt on a trail so <laughs> I just don't need it. Yeah. We've digressed hugely, uh, unusually. <laughs> yeah, it never happens. Um,
0: um, so I think, I think, I think maybe f- flight attendants like a. It's a weird one because it, it's kind of like a, on the one hand, absolutely, it definitely, definitely, a hundred percent will have an advantage for people who are at the sharper end of mm. the sport. Like even if you're just an average enduro racer, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you know if there's a sprint section that's thirty seconds long and it's smooth mm. and the suspension locks out. It's going to be quicker than if your suspension's bobbing up and down. But if you're just razzing around a trail centre at the weekend, it doesn't matter whether you did that section of blue trail Mm. in a minute, five minutes, Mm. or three minutes, Mm. depending on what your personal goals are. But, you know, the the advantages of of it are they're immeasurable in that context. Yeah. Like, and it it kind of comes down to answering the question, what do you want? And I'm pointing at an imaginary Mm. you. Like, what is your aim? And some things, you know, you might be like, well, actually, I do want to be quicker on the trail centre. Well, in that case, fill your bloody boots and go yeah, buy yeah. some because it will make you quicker.
1: Yeah, and make your pockets a bit lighter as well. It will, yeah. To the tune of, what, $3,000?
0: Yeah, probably, and narrower, <laughs> so you'll be more aerodynamic. Perfect. Because, you know, when your pocket's full of money,
1: yeah, you're yeah.
0: wide, maybe, I don't know, going out on a limb. <laughs> well, we've definitely, uh, I've lost my train of thought we've there. We nailed but, that one. Yeah. Let's,
1: let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Because I think, you know pre-ride stuff, cool. setup stuff, maybe. components, yeah. 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 with the with checks and balances. As long as
0: you understand what they're designed to do yeah. and how that benefits you and, and how to
1: use them properly to get the most out of them. Yeah. Now the next one that we want to talk about is sort of safety systems because um riding bikes is, you know, it has its dangers, it has its risks and stuff like that. Um and there are a growing number of products out there on the market which are designed to make you uh, a little bit safer or make you a little bit more aware of what's going on and make other people a little bit more aware of you as well. So we're talking things like, so Specialized Angie, for example, that's like a little, um, I guess it's accelerometers and stuff, in a little uh, blip box that's on your helmet, links to an app. You know, if you have a crash, then it will sense that there's an impact um, and it will send a uh, like a, uh, an alert to someone who might need to know. Likewise, Garmin have similar things on their computers, as do various other ones. Um, the other one that I guess I, w- I would be totally sort of open with this—you'll uh, have heard throughout this podcast, and if you've been listening um, during uh, late February and March—that this. Uh, We're in the middle of a sponsored period from Cannondale. They've got a new Synapse um, and the new Synapse has been launched with a thing they've they've called SmartSense, which is an onboard uh, series of electronic components all linked by a single battery. So there's a central battery that powers um, your front light, uh, a rear light and um, a radar sensor that's built uh, by Garmin. Uh, with design lights, and the idea is that you can, you know, when you walk up to your bike, there's a sensor on your phone, an app on your phone, and, you know, when you move your bike, it turns the lights on, for example. So in theory, car drivers and, and other road users can see you a bit better, you know, always on lights, quite a good thing. Um, the radar thing at the back can blip to your your GPS so that there's traffic coming behind you, um, makes you a bit more aware of what might be around. Um, and also there's light-sensitive uh sensors on the front light so you know when it gets dark you can you, your lights become a bit brighter xyz
0: they're kind of discrete safety measures aren't they
1: discrete yeah exactly they're yeah.
0: functioning in the background they're not like an airbag that will go off but yeah. they're, they're trying to prevent you from getting in a scenario yeah where you could be in danger
1: to help you yeah it, it, it improve that awareness. so we have to be very careful with the use safety we have to be careful with that term um but it's it's it's, it's, it's an awareness thing um and, yeah, so that's all controlled off one battery. So, you know, you don't have to charge, like, two different lights and a radar and your GPS. You know, it all works off one system. So, um, yeah, we, the, at the moment, the Bike Warrior podcast is being sponsored by Cannondale uh, with the Synapse and the Smart Sense. But it is an interesting piece of tech. Um, it has some criticisms, um, understandably. Um, you know, not everyone really wants those. You might have already got your lights. You might have already uh, got a radar thing. So if you're going to buy the Synapse, I don't want to double up on all of those things. Um but you know, you, you can read around that. We we've done some work on on Bike Radar about Smart Sense and about the new synapse. So we won't we won't dwell on that. Um but there are various things out there to help you um with both safety and more increasing awareness on the road or on the trail.
0: Yeah. I mean another one is uh POC's, um uh, NFC chips in their helmets where you can input your medical data into them. Uh-huh. So if you've been involved in an accident and you're unconscious, then the medical services can scan their phone near the NFC chip and they know your blood type, your name, your address, mm-hmm. your contact That's details. Pretty cool.
1: I think POC also use those RECO things, yeah, do, as yeah. do Suplist have got... Um, got oh, no, they don't. Oh, I don't know if there's an embargo on that. Fourth of March, Friday the fourth of oh, March. Oh, we it's safe. Yeah. This, can, this can continue. Uh, do, do we want all that? Do
0: you want that bit in there? <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: whatever. For for yeah, for those of you who haven't quite twigged what happened, we we get um, news that comes through um, ahead of official launch, um, and so I, I mentioned something that I wasn't sure if it was still under embargo, but Friday the fourth of March, two p.m. Central European Time. surplus have now launched um their new trail shoes which come with um a reco thing i mean you know it's it's, these are sort of almost like passive systems that most people are probably never actually going to use um but may help in a situation if something does actually go wrong so do they help yes but as i think you might want to point out they have their limitations
0: they do everything has its limitations right i mean I don't even know what my point is. I've I've totally got I totally this went down a- your I totally got distracted by your lovely uh soupless <laughs> uh
1: shoe chat. I mean a lot of so a lot of these things, you know, we just talked about they're they're fairly benign. They sit in the background doing their little thing. You're probably never gonna notice. Um, and hopefully, you know, nothing ever goes wrong. Um, that, you know, whether it's the Angie or the the Garmin thing or yeah, XYZ is actually there. But they're there to help. But as everything does, everything has their limitations. And I think. You are. We're gonna bring up one of these little problems.
0: Yeah. Um, so at the weekend, I was just riding with some with some friends, and he had a Garmin Garmin Edge GPS computer on his bike, and that computer is fitted with an detection, um, incident detection.
1: Incident detection.
0: Detection. Yeah, incident detection uh, program on it. I guess yeah. you'd call it, where if it senses that you've stopped abruptly, or there's been a vibration, or something like that, it sends off an alarm to mm. basically attract people to your whereabouts if assuming that you've basically fallen off your bike yeah. and, are, and are injured um and at the end of every trail would stop and you know you obviously have to have a bit of faff and a bit of a chinwag he'd stop quite abruptly because mm-hmm. you know we lads really mountain biking exactly uh and then like i don't know 10 seconds later his garmin alarm would go off
1: mm-hmm.
0: without fail at the bottom of this one particular really? trail yep and it was, you know, beep 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 beep, and we were joking that, way, hey, it's the Stoke alert, it's the <laughs> Bantosaurus Rex um, snack time. I don't know, loads of other jokes, but you know, it, it shows that these systems have limitations yeah. within their programming, and it's, you know, the sensitivity of it. I guess you can probably turn the sensitivity of it sensitivity mm. of it down, um, but you know, like, a, a, at what point is it too far? And yeah. I don't what know. point does it encroach? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, an alarm going off in the middle of a forest when you've simply just stopped—if
1: is... no one's there to hear it—does it even go off?
0: Exactly. Um, but on the other hand, if he had genuinely yeah. crashed in the middle of the forest and he was riding on his own, then that alarm would actually attract people to him, and it mm. could save his life. Mm. So you know, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. and I don't definitely don't want to poo-poo it because yeah. that's not fair. Because it is useful yeah. again.
1: So. Um, I- I think if we're you know we're looking at the broad context of does this make your ride better? I don't think the safety things maybe maybe that smart sense one you know like having that little radar or anything telling you this car's coming behind or whatever it is that probably is a good thing. I, I could see how that's useful. Could be quite stressful as well. Though. Could be quite stressful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never been. I've been hit by a car once in.
0: Oh, only once. That's a
1: shame. Thirty years <laughs> thirty years of riding. So it's probably useful to know. But um, I think things like the you know the, the angel, the, the incident detection. Do they make my ride better? No. Are they a good thing to have? Quite possibly yes, so long as they don't get in the way. All right. Um, the last little bit is analysis of your ride. Um, so. There's plenty of technology out there to sort of measure what you're doing your power meter on the bike your your mapping software you're making sure you get in there your safety to make sure you get home okay when you get home there are a few bits of uh, electronic tech that'll help you analyze what you've done where you've been and how good it was do you ever use any of them so we're talking about obviously looking back through Strava so looking at your segment times your, your KOMs if you're lucky enough to be such a rider that can, you can grab a KOM every now and again um, things like Velo Viewer do you, do you, get, do you use them at all uh, and do they help you
0: I'm fiercely competitive mm. so uh, <laughs> yes they definitely help me when I get into that top 10 on Strava because uh-huh. I'm not a, a Strava subscriber so I have to be in the top 10 ah, to see where my where okay. my position is so there's a name and yeah. um, Yes, do they? I, I don't know. I kind of I use Garmin's app to find out if I'm if I'm tired. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I mean, I obviously know when I'm tired because I'm tired. But it oh, okay. can tell yeah, you, yeah. you know, yeah. like how stressed your body is, whether you're under or over training, um, and it's you know genuinely interesting information because you might not know it, but maybe you slept really badly, but you actually feel okay. But then the watch is saying or the Garmin app is saying, you know, chill today. You need to chill, um, and I find that quite helpful. I, okay. Yeah, I genuinely do, and you know. It, okay, all of it's taken with a pinch of salt and it's only kind of indicative. But equally, you know, there's some merit to the stuff that it's saying. And yeah. I find that if you do listen to it, then you feel better the next day yeah. and then you can go for it. Um, so in that respect, yes, I do use some of the the tools available, including, you know, Strava and the Garmin, the Connect app or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, I, I think, I don't think they help the ride in the uh-huh. there and now but they will probably help future you mm-hmm. and that's maybe just as important okay. because you know a happier future you is going to be a happier future future you yeah etc i think you can maybe see that that's a bit of a inception style wormhole mm-hmm. of future mm-hmm. future future yous but um yeah what what about you
1: um i mean i i don't look at them in a I don't know if I'm that fussed about getting better in, in that regard. I, I look at I look at my Strava sometimes to see if I've done, you know, like um, I, I guess I'm just not training-orientated enough anymore. I think I used to do it a lot. I used to, you know, there are segments I used to try and go out and whether it's get a KOM or just improve my time on, the, there are bits of road or trail or track that I knew I wanted to try on. And I don't really do that so much anymore. So for me, I don't think they do benefit Me hugely.
0: If you're a competitive person, the Strava side of it probably does help, even if you're not competitive towards other people. Yeah, yeah. just you know, inwardly. Yeah, um, that's quite good fun, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, I think I I I I I think they're they're a good thing to have, Um, and I think they probably do help a lot of people. Um, the other sort of thing in terms of analysis that I think is is really useful, but maybe isn't used as much as it maybe should be is, is cameras filming stuff. So, you know, whether it's getting a mate or getting a coach to film you riding over or off something, especially on a mountain bike, um, something I've never done in my life. But I think. Oh no, I did. I did it once. I did once. I had a, a coaching session with Kate Curd. Oh, I
0: thought you were going to say you made a shred it. I
1: did not make a shred it. No, um, but that that really is useful on bike. It's you know like real life sort of aid that electronic gizmos can help with. Um, you know, you can watch back what you're doing. You know, is are you in the right position over the bike? Um, are you getting enough pop out of it? How are you doing things? Um, and I think that probably is a good thing.
0: I think this is maybe a universal plea. Is just don't put your footage on YouTube. No one needs to see that.
1: <laughs> yeah, unless you're actually really, really. Le- leave
0: it to leave it to Aaron Gwynn or Vanderpol or <laughs> yeah. you know whoever else. Let's watch their YouTube. Let's watch their footage. Yeah. For everyone else, maybe not M- me included. <laughs> Great. There
1: we go. Should we should we wrap it
0: up there, Al? Yeah, let's uh, let's let's call it a day. Technology, Whey! hey, there technology wins.
1: One last question, though. Yeah. Do electronic gizzards make your life better? Yes, yes, they do. Yes. Yes. Do you need them all the time? No. No, no you don't. No. Yeah.
0: Moderation, everything in
1: moderation. Everything wow. in moderation. Bombshell. And learn how to use it. I think that's probably the takeaway. Yeah. There we go. Lovely. Thank, thank you very much, Al. Thank you, Tom. And thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Oh Berger yeah, that's podcast. right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Um if you have Enjoyed this podcast, or if you have enjoyed any of the podcasts from Bike Rider that you have listened to, please do leave us a review. I know everyone always asks, oh, please leave us a review. But actually, it really helps. You know, if you've enjoyed it and you think other people could benefit from listening or enjoy listening to the Bike Rider Podcast, leaving a review helps the algorithms behind the systems recommend the Bike Rider podcast to other people who may or may not have known about it first. So If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice where reviewing is available. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com.